chapter 6, verse 1 to 5. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will live. You in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Amen. That is the word of God tonight. And we're going to be tackling verses 1 to 2 for a time restraint. After discussing each trait of the fruit of the Spirit, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, we've been discussing each and every part or trait of the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul took time to enumerate it for us and let us know uh, what they are, meaning they're important for us to know. God does not waste his time. Do we agree? God is in the details of everything, whether it's in our lives or in our study. He is always in the detail. And I believe the reason why he detailed the fruit of the Spirit, it is because for the main purpose of our Christian life, so that we know what to do as believers. Amen? So that we know what is expected from us by God and that we know what is given to us by the Holy Spirit that is dwelling in us. We agree? In this church, we say to know Christ, to become like Him, and to make Him known. The, the, the members here, we are sold to that, that motto. And that is our belief. That is our mission statement. And it should be every Christian's mission statement. But at the same time, sometimes sin catches us. Right? Sin gets to us. And that is what we read earlier. And then look at this. The law of Christ. If you look at if, if you look at what Paul wrote in Galatians, Paul tackled legalism that is being, inf that is being uh, infiltrated in the Christian church again. The Judaizers, if this is just a review for us, the Judaizers came in the Christian church and started implementing some laws from, adapted from the Mosaic law, namely circumcision, physical circumcision. And Paul, right, in many chapters, he tackled that. He said, it is not needed, it is not necessary, because we are saved by grace, and by grace alone. Christ has paid for everything. We are not saved by works. Neither will you, you getting circumcised will not save you if your heart is not circumcised, basically if it is not changed. Correct? But then Paul, afterwards, started talking about what a Christian must do which is what the fruit of the Spirit tells us. And now he comes into Galatians chapter 6, going back here. It says here, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Talking about works. Telling a believer, a mature believer, to do something to help. Someone, a, a brother or a sister who is caught in a sin. That is works. Do we agree? That is something to do. 
But we are not saved by what we're doing for the Lord, but we are doing that because we are saved by God. And, and the key there is caught in a sin, meaning the brother or sister is running away from sin, but sin, unfortunately, was faster than he or she because he was caught by sin. That's, that's how I understood it. Might be so simple, but I just, it's a catchphrase for me. Caught in sin. Now, it's, I believe it's different from somebody who decided to stay in their sin. But regardless, I would still say that the mature believer, a mature believer should restore and help that brother or sister. Hence, what God said, what Jesus said here. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Because the one there said is by the law of Christ. Now, Paul tackled that we are not saved by the law. But then now Paul mentions the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Should be our question. The law of Christ is as he picked it, what the greatest commandment is or are. First is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm hungry, I want to eat. That's how I love myself. If I feel like I need rest, I don't know about you guys, but I want to take some nap, a nap, or a vacation. Because we love ourselves, right? We want to take care of ourselves. Shouldn't that be the same for others? That's what Jesus is saying. Love your neighbors as you love yourselves. In this particular background, is this was a first. This was a shocker for the Jews at this time. Because Jesus included the Samaritans, whom the Jews hated, whom they did not like, because they despised the Samaritans. But here Jesus says, love your neighbors as you love yourselves, including the Samaritans, including the Gentiles. Because the, Judea, the Jews back then, I don't know about now, but back then, they really just loved themselves. And hated everyone else. Because that's what, that's what the Leviticus law, the Levitical law said. Don't intermingle, don't intermarry with, with the, the outsiders. Stay within. But then now Jesus changes that. Now, love. The law of Christ is what? Is love. The law of Christ is love God first and foremost. Then you can love your neighbors correctly. If you don't love God correctly, you cannot love your neighbors correctly. If your first step is wrong, your second and third will be wrong. You can't love your wife over God, more over God. You can't love yourself more over your love for God. So on and so forth. Your career, your plans. You can't love that more than you love God. So the law of Christ is love. So when, when, when us knowing that, and Paul repeats that, Paul echoes what, what Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. He says there, in, do everything in love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, if he does all of these without love, he's, just, he's nothing but a noisy gong. 
everything that we do for each other and for the Lord must be done according to the first two commandments, the greatest two commandments. It needs to be aligned with it. Our love for God must be first and foremost done our service for God. It's the same thing when, when, when Jesus reinstated, before Jesus reinstated Peter, Jesus repeated himself, ask Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? After every question, Peter answers, then Jesus gives the ministry or the responsibility on what he needs to do. Love for God must be the first and foremost responsibility of a believer. So going to our topic tonight where we need to help each other, if we find someone who is caught in sin, we need to help them, restore them. It needs to be done in right meekness, but it has to be done with our heart in love for God because our love for God, we love them and we try to help them in a kind and gentle way. Next verse, restore the fallen. Galatians 6.1, again, here. Brothers and sisters, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. That's what I want us to focus on. The one that needs to be helping someone that is falling must be the one that is walking by the Spirit. First and foremost, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I think everybody would know if someone is sinning outwardly, correct? I don't think you need to be a mature believer to be able to identify if a brother or sister is sinning. We agree. I'll give you an example. If you see a brother or sister maybe in a casino gambling maybe their, their kid's college fund, uh, and then you, would, you don't need to be a mature believer to say, oh, you know, I think my brother is caught in sin. Well, you know, I'm not a mature believer. You know, I've just, I just accepted Christ yesterday. I don't think I can make this as, as, assumption. No. Identifying sin can be identified by new believers, but all the more mature believers. But the maturity becomes where if a mature believer versus a new believer, a new believer will condemn that person right away. Most of, new, most of the new believers will make the judgment like a legalist will do it. Just like when the adulteress was caught, right? But at the same time, it was the Pharisees who wanted to stone the woman to death. So there are some people who think they're mature believers, but really have not surpassed that legalistic part of them because now all of a sudden they're thinking they're prideful. Hence in the verse there says, but be careful, hence you fall in the same sin. Don't judge them because then you can all of a sudden fall as well. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person. This is when, this ties up for it for me. In Matthew 28, 19-20, Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus uh, charging the, the, the apostles, his disciples, to go and make disciples of all nations. Believers, those of you who have loved God for a long time, and you know all your doctrines, 
and you know everything about the Bible and what God wants from you. This is, and if you're not taking this part, you have to be making disciples. You know who the new believers are here in this church. And one of our studies, our next study is, those of you who are with me in our Bible study, the next step is the way. And it mainly focuses on discipleship. Because discipleship is needed. Because new believers will tend to make mistakes knowing and thinking of their old selves and thinking of a different, different uh, doctrine. They're making, they're making our, our Christian faith of what they think it is, not on what the Bible says so. That's where you, believer, mature believer, steps in. That's where you step in. You need to be making disciples. You can't just be coming here on, on Sundays, which is good because that's part of your, your spiritual health, and that's our worship, our praise, and just be shaking hands here and saying hello, although that's good and all, but there should, there's work. There's work for you to do. We are to be making disciples. We need to be encouraging the new believers to get into Bible studies, even to make friends with them first. Because, frankly, why would they want to hear what you have to say if you didn't even bother knowing who they are? That's right. That is an amen. It is a hard pill for me to swallow because when, 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 um, when I wasn't a pastor yet, I did have my favorite people and my not-so-favorite people. So it's kind of hard to, to just jump in and say, I want to make disciples as what Jesus asked me to do. Because we do have our preferences. Because some people are, are more loving and more interesting than the others. But we are to, we are to open ourselves for this possibility to this charge. This is, this is a need for us to make disciples of all nations. And then the other one, Matthew 24, 12. Why are people, why do believers, why would we need to watch out for those who are caught in sin? Because it will happen. Because it happens. If you don't already know, it happens. Some people, you will see some people here playing and singing so in love with the Lord for three months and all of a sudden you won't see them for three years. Right? You will see pastors pastoring for five years and all of a sudden quit. Because you know what that is during my rest time? I read a book, and one of the, the striking lines there is, the lifespan of a pastor is five years, and then they quit. So I'm like, oh boy, I, I have one more year to surpass that hump. <laughs> I thought I was past that hump. Because there's a lot. It, it takes away our fire. When life happens, the fire for God goes away. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow so it happens. Believers fall. Believers fall. And Paul said, don't be too judgmental because it could happen to you. Don't say, oh my gosh, what is he doing here? I saw him in the casino last night. I can't believe he's wearing that shirt. Shame on him while doing this thing on the slot machine. <laughs> He should have taken that shirt off. It even has our church's website behind it. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, I'm making fun of it, okay? But it happens, right? It happens. Sometimes when we see or catch a fellow believer, we make that judgment right away. We're so good at making that ju judgment. Instead of what? 
We need to restore them. We need to rebuke them with meekness, not forceful, doing it because of our love for God, number one. Hence, when we love God, we cannot not, that's a double negative, we cannot not love others. Our love for God compels us to love others, especially those who are of the household of Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why we take that action. That's why we rebuke the brother or sister. That's why we restore that brother or sister. That word restore is similar to a broken bone or a broken net, fish net. Restoring is, is mending the net or mending, replacing that bone correctly. Because a sinning brother or sister cannot stand. We've all fallen into sin, correct? And, some, and when, when we are in that sin, we feel like, for me, I, I, it feels like I have the flu. Like I cannot do anything physically. And more importantly, I don't have my joy. I don't have my peace. Because the enemy cannot steal our salvation. But when we sin, we are robbed of our joy and our peace. And things seem to be unraveling in front of us and we can't stop it. When we are in sin, when a brother or sister is, is, is in sin, they can't. They can't find themselves to come here to church. And when they come here to church, the last thing they need is a judgmental look from you and me. Do we agree? The last thing they need is a stinky eye from a legalistic Christian. Mm-hmm. Hello. I saw you last night. Kalamo, huh? Hypocrite. We give them that look. The last thing they need is that look. Because they come here because why? This is a hospital. Amen? I, will I really need to push for that sign. They should say, no perfect person allowed here. No perfect people allowed here. If you are perfect, you're not allowed here. Find another church. <laughs> because you're not allowed here. We, are, we, are, we Christians are people who have, have admitted that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ to save us from the consequences of our sin. We have admitted to that. We have admitted that we are not perfect. Although we might not be perfect, but our God is perfect. That He has completed the work on the cross for us. That's this, that should be this church. The culture of this church, I know it is. For me, I believe majority of us have that. Some of us have the legalistic point of view. You know, I'm not judging you. That's my discernment. But we're working on that. But we are to be loving each other. We are to, we have admitted that we are not perfect. As the more we know about Christ, the more we realize that the question that Brother Chris Post gave us last uh, business, uh, business meeting, uh, Bible study, he said, why me? He comes to a question, why me? The more perfect, the more, the more you know of who our perfect God is, our ho how holy our God is, you will come to a question, why me? Why did you choose me? Out of the billions of people you've created, You've chosen me to be a part of your family, which is the truth. It brings you to humility. So a believer who is not humble, 
I doubt if he truly is a believer. Or there's still a lot of work with that. Restore the fallen. This church right here, our church, I want us to see our church as a school and a gym. And in the school, there's a lot of things for you to learn, correct? We go to school to learn things. We go to school to sometimes, some of us become teachers in the school. That's what our church is. That's what I want to see FICF to be, or is, or to become, or already is. We should be a school and a gym. In 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. We should take pride in knowing our Bible. Not because so we can boast that oh, I know my Bible. It's just so we know that we are walking the straight and narrow correctly as God has instructed us in His Word. We should take pride in knowing our Bible so that we can restore the fallen brother or sister. So we can point them to the right Bible verse, to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is like, like that scalpel, correct? A scalpel is used to heal when they cut that flesh to open up that, the, the part, the chest, so they can get to your heart if you have heart problems. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna take one of your, uh, what, do you, what do you call that? Something. <laughs> to help you have a better heart. But they cut you. They make you bleed. But it's good for you. It's to heal you. But a scalpel, give it to a killer, stab you in the neck, and it'll kill you. So it depends on who's holding that, correct? So it's the same thing with the Bible. It depends on who's holding and who's reading that and how they're understanding it. It depends on how your heart is, is at that moment. Sometimes you can verse bomb somebody to condemn them because you just wanted to. Because, you, you know what, I'm sick and tired of this person. You know what, you're a liar. And it says here, all liars go to hell. So you're done. Right? Sometimes we just want to get it over with because they don't want to listen. Right? Your heart is so hard, so this is you. you right there. You see it? That's you. Okay, fine. Bye. Because we've had enough of it. But on a good day, when we are connected with God and our love for God is just, it's just right there. It's at the right place. And we can see God's love. At the same time, we can see God's truth. And just like Jesus with that adulterous woman, he said, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. And everybody else walked away. And then Jesus asked the, the, the woman, did anybody condemn you or judge you? She said, no, they all left. Neither will I judge you. Neither, neither will I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He gave the truth about the word, but then he gave grace. Believers, we should be the same way. We can't be full of grace to, to a point that we're just going to be permissive. We can't be full of truth only to a point that we're going to be legalistic. We have to find the balance of both because that's who our Jesus is. He, have, he is full of truth and at the same time, He is full of grace. In Philippians 2.12, this is a gym. Our church is a gym because Philippians 2.12 says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Working it out. Living it out. 
doing something about it, not just sitting in the Bible study, although that's good, not just sitting at church, although that's good, but as you step out of this building, you need to be working out your salvation to restore, for tonight's topic, to restore a brother or sister that is falling. Or to be loving more to our families, to our co-workers. To, to show them the new creation that is in us. Believer, there is no way that you can stay the same. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Indwelling in you. And if you will walk by the Spirit, Paul said it in Galatians 5.16, if you will walk by the Spirit, you will live by the Spirit. And, you will, and He can produce the fruit that is in us. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. <laughs> All of it. Galatians 5.23-25. We can... The, the Holy Spirit, that's the only way that the Holy Spirit can produce it in us. If we are walking by the Spirit, we can work it out. Believers, I, I know we are enjoying God's blessing in our lives. And that's just good. It's good. You know, God blessed me and Anna Lou this, this week. Anna Lou got into a car wreck. A very bad car wreck. But she was able to walk away from it. And the two other people that she ended up hitting, they were all able to walk away from it. The alternative there would have been Anna Lou could have died, gone home to God. I would have praised God that she's home there, but I would have been lonely. But I thought about that too. Or she could have been paralyzed. Or she could have killed somebody or could have caused you know, somebody to get paralyzed. But praise God, God protected us. Despite that ch challenge, He blessed us to where it was just the car. It was just the car that was wrecked, and you can always replace it. And praise God, we are in good hands. That's my insurance. <laughs> Alonzo said, Dad, you all, we are in good hands, huh? Yes, we are in good hands. But you know what? As much as Allstate guarantees us that we are in good hands, God says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? The if you believe in God who created the universe, who created all things, that holds your life and in his palm, you can say that you are in good hands. He is. He is. We are in good hands and he is powerful. He has everything that you need despite whatever challenge that you may be facing. And we are to work out that salvation. How are we working it out? In, in facing these challenges, number one. If you're facing challenges with your health, you can work out your salvation by believing in God's Word. Now, God might not heal you. God might not restore your health completely. God might not answer your prayers right away. But it doesn't mean God's not with you. Remember when the, when the, the disciples were in that, that boat and they were going through that storm, they were all panicking. The storm, they were facing the storm. The boat was getting rocked. They were, they were feeling the wind. They felt every tug, every power of that storm it, to a point they were fearful. And they asked Jesus, whom they've seen do many miracles, they questioned him, Lord, do you not care that we're going to die? Sometimes we, we can say that to God. Because you know what? If you're already thinking it, God already knows it. So you might as well be completely honest with him. 
Sometimes just go ahead and say, Lord, do you not care? Lord, do you not see the challenges that we are facing in this church? Lord, do you not see that I'm already busy, that this is the last thing I need in my life, a car wreck? <laughs> no, God sees it. God sees it. But He has the power. He has the power to help you. And knowing that you are with Him should just give us the peace that God is with me. The God of the universe is with me. That's how we're working out our salvation. That's how we're working out our salvation. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Next verse. I also see our church, a church, a Christian church, should be like a restaurant and temple. <laughs> Sorry, is it making sense? Maybe not, huh? <laughs> Not only are we a school, but also a gym. But not also are we a gym, but also a restaurant. Serving the milk and the meat of the world. Look at that. <laughs> Hebrews 5.13. Anyone who lives on milk, right? Being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. So a church feeds milk to the babes in the faith. And the church delivers meat for the mature in the faith. Because there are two categories. There are three categories in the church. There are three people in the church. Those who have not surrendered their life to Christ yet. Those who knew in the faith, which are called babes in the faith, and the mature. Now, it doesn't mean because you've been a believer for 20 years, it doesn't automatically mean that you're a mature believer. Don't kid yourself, Right? It doesn't necessarily work that way. Paul said that to Timothy. Don't let your age bother you. But then it's also a temple. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. But then one of the most important roles of a church is this. I think we are a traveling travel agency. We have to know the ticket for every people that will believe, that will believe in Jesus their Lord. That is the ticket for them to spend eternity in heaven. This is one of the biggest responsibility or jobs of a church. Do we agree? I can see some heads shaking, but. Maybe it's not making sense. <laughs> but lastly, church is a refuge. The church of Jesus Christ, and hopefully us here at FICF, that we see it as a refuge. By realizing that war is going on. And that is what, in Galatians 6, to carry each other's burdens. War is going on. Spiritual war is going on. Everybody's going through their own battles. And there will be casualties. Casualties are inevitable. They will come here. Burdens can, can, can mean everything, correct? Burden with, with, with house chores or, or everything else with their family. But mainly, spiritual burden. The soul that has been crushed because of the challenges in their lives and now is losing faith with God. That's a burden. And we are to carry each other's burden. We are believers, the mature believers in this church. 
You are charged with this. You are charged with this. We are charged with this. We are to carry our brothers and sisters' burden, those who are struggling in the faith. Because they are a casualty. We must never lose sight of that fact. That our church is a refuge for hurting people. And not only a refuge, but which I also want us to believe that I, I don't want anybody saying this. I can't believe he or she is here because they're so dirty, spiritually dirty. We should all the more say, I'm glad he or she is here because I know what they're going through. I know what he's going through. I know what she's going through. Imagine a hospital. Imagine a hospital administrator saying, inviting you, come, check out our hospital. And there are no bad odors in our halls. If you've been in a hospital, that's impossible, right? <laughs> there are no bad odors in, our, odors in our halls, no stains on our linen, not a bedpan on the premises. And you'll say, wow, this place is immaculate. How do you keep it this way? And then she, the administrator says, it's simple. We don't admit anyone who's sick. We want only a sterile environment. Ridiculous scenario, correct? Yet that's exactly the way some people view church. Somehow we want people entering in this church to be the perfect ones only. Only for perfect people. People who are still going to the casino, not welcome. People who are still betting on sports book, not welcome. People who love this politician, not welcome. People that love this politician, not welcome. And if you belong to this political party, you're banned. <laughs> Look at your Facebook post, you'll agree with me. Sometimes we, we've all made it. We've all made that assumption. We've all made a judgment. Who's, who's good people and who's the bad people? What should be the makings of church? And usually we make it to be a perfect church. Perfect people only. As ridiculous as it is for a hospital, it's ridiculous for the church. But on the other hand, imagine a hospital where bedpans are overflowing. <laughs> Dirty needles are stacked up. And all of the bandages and blankets are drenched in blood. And you'd ask, if you're in the right mind, you say, what's going on? And the admi administrator would say, we're not into cleanliness. We're just into helping people. <laughs> right? Some churches just wants to love on people. Don't want to correct them. We don't want to give them the truth of the Bible because we don't want to offend people or lose people. We don't want to be viewed as a judgmental church. That's wrong too, correct? As much as a hospital that doesn't care about drenched towels, drenched in blood, needles stacking up, bedpans overflowing. I'm ruining everybody's appetite, I'm pretty sure. A normal person would say, if you allow dirty needles to be used and bedpans to overflow, if you never mop the floor or wash the linens, you will actually be doing more harm 
than good. Do we agree? Because infection will spread and problems will compound. It will add up. It will be worse. Those of you who are in the medical field, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have been in the Philippines and went to those bad hospitals, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have been in a third world country and went to a wrong hospital, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Two points. On one hand, we need to be aware of our calling to welcome all into our midst. On the other hand, we are to make sure that we are not being infected by allowing disease to spread throughout our congregation. Amen? And that is why Galatians 6, 1-2 is that we are to help the broken. We are to help them. For us, the spiritual mature believers, we are to tell them, we are to restore them, so that that's the way we are helping them. That medical analogy is perfect, because Paul used the same kind of imagery in the text in Galatians 6.1. The Greek word for restore is a medical term meaning to mend or set a broken bone. So we are to be those who keep our eyes and our hearts open to people who are struggling, to the one, to the one who can restore it. We are to bring them back to Christ, because only Christ can restore them spiritually. Amen. Amen. That is our message tonight. Somebody say praise God. Here. <laughs> We are trying to make the messages shorter, but at the same time, make sense. We're trying to keep you awake at the same time, so that you will actually hear the message. Amen. <laughs> Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight, Lord God. I thank you for the reminder, Lord. That we are to restore our brothers and their sisters who are caught in sin. I pray for your spiritual belief, your spiritual, spiritually mature believers that are here in this church of yours, Lord God. I pray that as they are mature, Father, I pray that you will give them the boldness and the words and make them obey, Lord God. The willingness to obey you, to be used by you to restore or to disciple a new believer in our midst. And I pray for this church of yours, Lord, here at FICF, that we will be welcoming of everyone, Lord God, that we will not be a judgmental church, that we will not be a legalistic church, so that people will feel your love, and that we will never forget that we are saved by your grace, not because of our works. But at the same time, Lord God, I pray that we will be true, completely in love with you, and that we are growing in our relationship with you, that we will know the truth and every truth about your word, that we will not shy away from letting people know if they are making a mistake against you, for us speaking the truth, even if we are to offend them, because the one person that we truly don't want to offend is you. Father, we pray for the soul of those whom you have brought here tonight. Pray that you just help them, those who are, are struggling. I pray, Lord God, that you just affirm them of your presence in their lives. 
I pray, Lord God, that you just show them the power that you have, Lord God, to help them with their situation. I pray for healing for them, whether it's physical struggle or a spiritual struggle. Bless everyone here tonight, Lord God. Shine your face in everyone's lives. Forgive us, Lord, for the many sins that we've committed, for the times that we've fallen short. Hear our prayers, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray.